week's episode is brought to you by Support the Mountain's Herbal Parasite Cleanse. This formula targets the small and large intestinal tracts and larvae, the most broad-spectrum formula available today. 100% organic, formulated by Dr. Mikio Sanki, author of the Esoteric Acupuncture Series. For 10% off your first bottle, visit shopyogahub.com and use the coupon code CLEANSE at checkout. Hello and welcome to YHTV's nominated show, Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 98. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Christina Suzuma, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Hello, Dr. Woolman. Hello, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like coming running down that ramp, you know? <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, oh, I am excited today. We get to continue our talk on detoxification, right? Yes, definitely. We're going to be talking with our consultant, Ayurvedic consultant, uh, Kabir Southwick, who is an Ayurvedic practitioner. He's also a formulator of uh, herbal remedies, an author, and a lecturer. And those of you that follow our show know he's been with us a number of times. And in our uh, one of our last shows, we started talking about detoxification, uh, thinking that it would be just a simple, easy topic that we could cover in an hour. And we, near the end of the show, didn't uh, finish. <laughs> <laughs> so, or, or we finished, actually, but we felt like we could talk a lot more. And due to some responses we got and requests we got, uh, we decided to do a second show on it to finish up, maybe, or as close as we can to finishing up. <laughs> I think we can go on and on with these subjects. It's it's uh, such a vast world of healing and wholeness. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing about medicine, that it's always a vast uh, healing and wholeness, and, and it's a frontier because we're always learning new things that change some of the old ways, uh, even though some of the old ways don't change. Um, Sometimes that's good. Mm -hmm. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Mm -hmm. Glenn Wallman. I will be your medical guide along with Christina today as we travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy in our continuous search for optimal health. <laughs> so I just want to let everyone know at any time during the show, you can scroll down on the screen and uh, type in your question or comment for our guests and uh, be sure to click submit. Or if you're listening to this on uh, uh, your iPhone or, or any device there, you can just simply call us um, at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Be sure to leave us, leave us your contact information, of course, and whom the question is for. And we will definitely make sure that our guests or Dr. Woolman will get it and uh, we will get uh, their answer right back to you. Thank you, Glenn. You're quite welcome. And Thank you, all of you that take time to watch our shows and make some comments. We really love those. They inspire us to uh, look more deeply into things and get answers back. And it also lets us know that people are concerned and want to know the right answers. So mm -hmm. keep those cards and letters coming. <laughs> now, we're talking about detoxification, and you know we've talked about this in a number of different ways. Again, we talked with Dr. Gary Winston about toxins and toxicants, and if you go back to one of our recent episodes with uh, Kabir Southwick um, and detoxification, we explained the, what toxins were and 
they're out there and things like that. And I just wanted to summarize a little bit why detoxification is so important. Um, I think uh, that we are exposed continuously to toxins. There are uh, a list of at least 85,000 toxins out there that and toxicants that are out there that can affect our bodies in many different ways. And, and as the science becomes more clear, uh, we can start connecting some of these toxins to some of the diseases that we have, inflammatory diseases, intestinal diseases, um, even uh, mutations of cells, which can lead to potential cancers. So it's very important uh, in terms of detoxifying. And the whole concept for me is really about the burden of the toxin. And what do I mean by that? It means that there are toxins out there, and if they get into our body, and we remember that they can get in a number of ways um, through the skin, uh, orally by eating something, or through the airways, they could certainly get in other ways too, but these are the main ways. And under normal conditions, the body has a way of detoxifying, and we can get deeply into that, the way uh, the different organs work to break things down into something that's either water-soluble, means it can be eliminated through the kidney, or if the drug is fat-soluble, it gets eliminated through the feces and the intestine. And so it's very important that we have all of these mechanisms in place to uh, make sure the detoxification process happens and also to uh, eliminate. But getting back to the burden as a concept, there's always going to be some toxins that are around us and that get into us. And most of the time, the body can heal this. And so we're okay. But when either there's too many toxins that come into the body, either purposefully on a, you know, on a fraternity or sorority weekend where everybody's drinking a lot of alcohol potentially uh, or other drugs, then there might be more toxins that come in. And if the body can't handle that, then that's when the issues uh, become more prevalent and become more serious where you have to see a physician. So it's very important in thinking of the burden to do a few things. One is to try and prevent as many toxins from coming in. Two, make sure that all of the systems in the body to detoxify and uh, break down the products are working, and also to make sure that the elimination organs and systems are working. And with that in mind, we're going to talk today with Kabir and see how we can make sure that, again, we prevent things from coming in, uh, keep strong our body's defenses, and help to eliminate. So with that, I would like to bring back Kabir. Welcome, Kabir. Uh, thank you for having me back again, Christina, <laughs> Dr. Glenn. Hello, Kabir. <laughs> Christina, anything you want to say to Kabir before we uh, start grilling him with questions? Oh, you know, I, I just have so much fun learning about all this detoxing. Kabir, mm. it's just wonderful. I, I, I almost want to do all of it, but then I know I'll go overboard then. <laughs> 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 but it, it's just uh, uh, to 
open up this world, which, you know, um, coming from the Asian background and, you know, which they believe a, a lot of, you know, the simplicity and also the cleansing. I, I think there's some some part of the, the Asian Chinese medicine that that integrates uh, with the Ayurvedic as well. It's it's really exciting to, to hear it in English. <laughs> That's one. <laughs> Two, to actually understand the processes. So so I enjoy these so much. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for Thank you. continuing can... to open our many doors. <laughs> okay, company, let's go to your... work. Eliminating channels. Absolutely. That we could <laughs> I might disappear. <laughs> But you, you did mention a good point there about uh, uh, some people actually over detoxification, uh, detoxifying. And maybe in the past we didn't uh, hear of this uh, as being a very common condition. But uh, these days, uh, many people uh, often unknowingly are over detoxifying their body, uh, excessive fasting, excessive long periods of juicing, having large amounts of uh, detoxification detoxifying uh, substances like corella and barley barley grass or or uh, wheatgrass juice or spirulina uh, in large amounts for a long period of time without enough balanced uh, nutrition um, so generally it's good to have both a, a detoxification phase and then uh, a nurturing and toning phase to uh, not to avoid uh, over depleting yourself I think we look at a lot of <clears throat> a lot of uh, programs like that when somebody says uh, this vitamin is good. If, well, if one is good, then many might be even better. Uh, <laughs> it just doesn't always work like that. And I think the key word is balance. But exactly. also, it's about this is a serious this is a serious subject, and to just take it lightly is. Uh, one of the reasons that we're we're spending some time on this because I don't want people to take this lightly. And what I mean by that is to, oh, I I want to go detox this week. I'm going to go to the store and pick up a detox uh, kit and do it. And that's not necessarily the way to do it, which we've learned uh, last time. But and I want to get into that uh, more today. What's the difference, uh, Kabir, between say Ayurvedic? Uh, detoxification, naturopathic detoxification, and other types of detoxifications. Can you so give us a quick a, summary? That's a great uh, and, and vast uh, question there, but it, it is a good question, and I think it's important to clarify. Uh, here in the West, uh, uh, the naturopathic tradition, uh, going back uh, to Dr. Christopher and today uh, Dr. Schultz, we can see, um, and then in general, the naturopathic approach is very much focused on organ at a time. And uh, to a large degree, I have incorporated this because it's very suitable for the uh, Western population because we have specific problems with specific organs. Our liver becomes fatty and congested and we don't have good bile. And there really needs to be a very uh, strong focus often on that organ. And uh, same for the kidney and the bladder where there's congestion and kidney stones and uh, uh, irritation and infection taking place in that pathway and focusing on those for uh, those eliminating a channel or that pathway over uh, three to seven days tends to be very effective to deal with these conditions or diseases that are in these particular organs and that 
obviously is includes the colon and diverticuli and other types of inflammatory conditions inside of the colon, which can benefit. But the Ayurvedic approach is more uh, holistic in the sense that it's not focused specifically uh, on a, an one organ at a time, uh, not to say there's not programs and herbal treatments for uh, different organs and systems in the body, including the lymphatic system, but the general detoxification approach is much deeper in Ayurveda and much more um, holistic in the sense that you're covering all of the eliminating organs uh, together and there's a lot more uh, preparation, a mono diet prior to the detoxification process to stabilize the digestion, digestive herbs, uh, carminative herbs to improve digestion, increase appetite, uh, stabilize elimination. And then there's uh, pre-detoxification therapies like oilation, taking in ghee on a regular basis to, uh, to loosen up toxins. So, and then there's steaming therapy to further loosen up toxins prior to the actual detoxification process, or an Ayurveda would be a, a form of Panchakarma. So Ayurveda, I find, is more preventive uh, that should be done every year. Um, the, their approach and is deeper and more holistic. Well, the naturopathic approach tends to focus on one organ or system at a time and is more focused on resolving a particular health condition or ailment or disease that that person has in that organ. So um, I tend to utilize both of these, and I think it's important for me to say that I'm not uh, teaching here uh, purely Ayurvedic uh, methods of detoxification, nor am I uh, teaching uh, purely naturopathic approaches. In fact, I'm combining the two together because our Western audience and uh, clients do have specific needs, which I find naturopathic approaches uh, are, are most suitable for. Combinatorial medicine, that's uh, my favorite, as you know. Uh, I want to get a quick question answered. You talked about a mono diet. What is a mono diet? Well, generally, uh, prior to uh, detoxification in Ayurveda, and I do for most of my clients, particularly if there's digestive complaints, gas, bloating, uh, a mono diet is a is a simple uh, uh, diet of uh, one dish that's eaten uh, two, three, or four times a day uh, with no other uh, foods involved. And this allows the digestive system to stabilize and get used to this one dish. The kitchari dish is what's used in Ayurveda, but in fact, there can be different variations of it. And kitchari is uh, generally made of white basmati rice, which is very easy to digest without the husk, and um, split mung bean, not the whole mung bean, again, without the outer husk, um, and split. Uh, so this is uh, very easy to digest, very high in protein, and if they're cooked together, you have a very uh, complete protein. And then they're prepared with spices, uh, cumin, coriander, dill, cardamom, fennel, uh, according to the person's dosha, and uh, then some steamed vegetables. So this little kitchari dish, which is basically a type of uh, uh, rice and uh, split mung bean porridge with spices and steamed vegetables, steamed because they are easier to digest than raw, had eaten 
say three times a day uh, with no snacks uh, for anywhere from a few days to a few weeks prior to detoxification will really put your body in the proper state uh, to go through detoxification. And in, and in itself, a mono diet is a very uh, effective and mild, nurturative detoxification process. If I have somebody who's um, uh, elderly or young or uh, have a vata excess where they're thin, frail, or weak, then this type of mono diet is very effective. And it's opposite of fasting. You're giving a person three, four meals a day, uh, making it easy to digest. So you're, you're nurturing them by giving them proper nutrients and protein and fat. You're using ghee in this. Well, at the same time, using the spices and some herbs to detox. So it's a very um, low-level, uh, gentle, and nurturing uh, detoxification process. And like I said, for people who are elderly or weak or uh, thin, or have vata excess, then that can be uh, by itself a very good uh, detox program. You know, it's interesting because it, it seems like the more that I study and research and learn and, and do these shows, uh, there's always a yin and yang to everything. There are many nutritionists and uh, a lot of endocrinologists and digestive uh, physicians that talk about the problems of a mono diet, eating the same thing all the time, causing the potential for a leaky gut syndrome. Uh, so I'm, I'm always concerned, and that's why I think it brings up the very important part of none of this should be taken lightly and should always be done with some kind of uh, a healer working with you, be it an, an Ayurvedic doctor, a naturopathic, um, or your Western doctor, somebody that can guide you through this to look for signs of uh, issues, problems, toxifications, etc. One of the things that's interesting for me is the concept of we're continuously exposed to toxins uh, throughout the year, the household products, things in the air, pesticides uh, in the farmlands, uh, a number of the plastics that we use. Why why do we look to detoxify once a year in the spring rather than continuously? Uh, well, the spring is a time which uh, we, uh, our, our body's naturally prepared to uh, lose weight uh, and, and go through a type of lightening or reducing process to uh, thin our blood, to reduce our body fat, and ultimately prepare ourselves for the uh, summer. And in fact, uh, animals do this naturally. My horse is eating the dandelion greens and the uh, bitter roots. And uh, I've noticed that his, uh, it's prompted a lot more bowel movements and a lot more looser uh, uh, bowel movements by my horse. So even the animals, uh, just by living in, in natural attunement with nature and the amount of vegetarian that's available are, are detoxing in the spring due to the, the, the bitter uh, herbs and plants that are coming. We can now see a mustard uh, coming, dandelion, and these young sprouts are of new vegetables are often, and new plants are often bitter. And these bitter herbs and bitter plants are some of the best for detoxing and cleansing the uh, liver in particular. So 
animals are naturally going through this cycle. And if we look at the different seasons uh, and the harvest that come with them, the harvest that comes with the summer, the harvest that comes with the fall, and the harvest of food that comes with the winter, we can also see that the, there's, it's all connected. The winter foods are generally heavier, where we've had more uh, foods that we've stored from the harvest of the fall, uh, whether it's fermented vegetables or dairy. Um, and there's generally more meat consumed during the winter, and this is to build more uh, tissue, more body fat, and to store up during the winter and cold months. And then in the spring, the body naturally lets go of this, If particularly if we're eating in season and we're eating uh, the spring harvest, which is much more lighter and, and more leafy greens, um, and this will naturally detoxify us. If we were living on a farm and only eating the food that we were able to grow, we would naturally go through this cycle of detoxification in the spring and naturally lose weight um, and thin our blood uh, to prepare our bodies for the uh, summer, as many of the animals do on their own. So is your thought to detoxify once a year, or do you, do you yourself personally uh, have another plan where you do mini detoxifications on a daily basis, a weekly, monthly, and then you have your big spring, or do you just do one spring cleaning? Um, well, if you have no chronic health conditions that would uh, demand immediate attention to an organ or eliminating system, then generally you can wait until springtime and start with uh, a lighter diet, uh, reducing therapies, um, fasting one day a week. Um, eating less food, cutting down on animal products, reducing um, oil, and then um, then moving into maybe a, a, a mono diet for a week, then starting with the colon cleanse and enemas, and then moving on to um, other organs and eliminating systems all through the springtime, right up into the summer. In fact, cleansing out the uh, bladder and kidney is best to do in the summer, in the hot months, because it requires a lot of liquids uh, to, to flush out the kidney bladder pathway, and it seems most suitable to do that in the summer. So with that spring-summer period tends to be the best, and well, fall comes tends to be, the, and, and, and winter tends to be the least effective time to uh, detoxify. And it's also the least effective time to lose weight in the fall and the winter. When you're talking about a detoxification and we look at some of the programs that are out there we talk we hear people talk about a a 3 day detoxification program a 14 day program uh, it sounds to me like when you just mentioned summer spring you you start the process first in getting healthier and the nurturing and preparing and then you start the detox and so this could take about how long for you or, or not just for you, but for your clients. And of course, I understand that everyone is personal and different, but what are we talking <laughs> about in terms of a, a timeline here? Oh, you can um, do a detoxification over 60 to 90 days. But again, it should be, um, at least in our modern society where we have to work and we have to carry on our daily life, then we can only detox maybe for a, a week or two and then take a break and go back to uh, more nurturative diet and in uh, in eating more uh, complete foods again, and maybe taking our supplements and re regaining our strength and energy. 
uh, and then going and focusing on another um, detoxification process or a, a different uh, eliminating okay. organ. Okay, so as you talk about that in the eliminating organs, uh, let's look from the Ayurvedic approach. The last time we spoke about one of the most important eliminating organs, which was the colon, uh, but we also have other organs. So how do you want to approach this? Um, well, um, other, other um, Ayurvedic approaches I, to detoxification, you know, th there's many different therapies that Ayurveda has available to, to use, and each person would, could benefit from different therapies and maybe be harmed by particular therapies. So uh, not to say everybody should practice all of the different therapies, but in general, there's the mono diet, there's the lightening and reducing therapy, which includes um, uh, purging the colon, en using enemas, uh, medicated uh, enemas, which is very effective, um, improving digestion, increasing appetite, even uh, exercise, sunlight, spices. These are all ASP therapies that are used to help to uh, uh, not just detoxify, but help to uh, stimulate digestion, break down toxins, loosen up uh, mucus, um, and even voluntary or controlled uh, throwing up uh, is very effective for uh, congestion in the upper respiratory area. This is done, of course, there's many different ways and different herbs that can be used to do this, but drinking uh, large amounts of warm salt water and then inducing um, yourself to uh, throw up uh, flushes out this whole upper respiratory area. And it's very suitable for somebody with a lot of phlegm and congestion. And this therapy is part of uh, Panchakarma, which is often not uh, practiced here. And Ayurveda also does bloodletting, which I believe is not legal to practice in the United States. So uh, giving blood to a blood bank has a similar effect um, for men who can benefit from that. Uh, women have less concern over that particular therapy due to their natural loss of blood uh, through menstruation. So even bloodletting is considered uh, therapy. This type of uh, controlled throwing up using enemas in, uh, for extended periods of time. There's different types of enema treatments. In fact, it's never just used with water, and there can be a series of enema treatments. There's enemas with a lot of salt and stronger uh, herbs that will uh, break up and start to clean the inner colon, and then there's um, herbs that will be put in as subsequent enemas in the next few days that will be more supporting uh, like licorice or uh, root and uh, mixed with some ginger and uh, that would be more supportive. And even oil enemas, which can be very effective for those with chronic constipation and uh, colon dryness. And then, uh, so there can be a series of enemas with different herbs, anywhere from three enemas up to 10 enemas um, over a period of time. So using enemas as a, a therapy by itself or when Ayurveda calls it basti, it's, a, it's really very different than just what we see as using enemas, is a, 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 is a very, very effective uh, treatment, uh, therapy. And then there's also um, oil massage in itself using medicated oils, just not coconut oil or sesame oil, but medicated oils on the body. Um, 
and uh, receiving this in a form of massage uh, called abhyanga, which is a type of lymphatic massage to get the lymphatic system moving. And this is why the oils are warm, and this is why the the uh, massage is, is gentle and not a deep tissue massage because it's the goal is to get the lymphatic system going. So that is another very effective therapy. And for those with swelling, edema, water retention, um, you know, particularly under the armpits and these areas where we can see there's some lymphatic congestion, uh, this is very important to be doing a prior to any other detoxification because as we know, the lymphatic system is our type of uh, a drainage system for the body. And if it's congested, then we really won't be able to detox. And then there's uh, oilation. Oilation is where you're taking um, internally oil, uh, like ghee, uh, starting with, say, one tablespoon in the morning and then up to uh, five tablespoons a day. And this makes the skin soft and oily and tender and uh, starts to bring the toxins to the surface and helps in the detoxification process. And then there's a type of sweating therapy, which is often combined with the oiling therapy. And this is, uh, includes things like hot baths, uh, hot poultice, steam therapy. Um, so these are all different types of therapy that can be uh, applied individually to a person to create a, an individual detoxification package for them. And there's other therapies too, like a drying therapy and astringent therapy that uh, can also benefit certain people. So it's important to see that there's many uh, 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 therapies that can be used in detoxification, and it's not as simple as taking um, some laxative herbs for a few days or uh, juicing uh, for a weekend. Even though these things can be beneficial, they often are incomplete. Uh, yeah, I've approaches much deeper, and it seems to really get at a very deep level in the in the tissue. I would have Please. to. I would have to uh, say that when you were speaking, uh, it made me a little concerned or nervous when you talked about the uh, induced vomiting or emesis. <clears throat> I would say uh, that people need to be extremely careful about something like that, and I would not recommend that on without specific help and to make sure that that's something that is very safe for you because there's a there's a lot of uh danger in that so if it's going to be done it really needs to be done carefully um i just wanted to make sure that uh that was brought out in this process uh certainly uh many things are out there and i liked all of the things you said i wanted to mention though that there seems to be some uh, studies out now that just by sweating, we talked about skin as an eliminator of toxins, mm -hmm. but uh, just necessarily by sweating sometimes or going into a sauna or a steam room won't necessarily release the toxins from the body. It may release it from the fat or the fat cells. And so that it's very important to understand that other types of sweating from exercise does seem to release toxins. But uh, that's why I think it's important that when you said there are many other parts to it, it's not just the sweating that does it. There are other preparations of the skin and other parts that have to be prepared within the whole system. Just to think that sweating itself is always releasing toxins is not necessarily true. 
Uh, Christina. Yes, Dr. Woolman. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you mean that moment in the sauna just didn't help me? No, it definitely helped you. <laughs> uh, it, it helps all of us, and we love saunas and we love steams, but uh, I know that when I'm always in the steam or the sauna, people are always talking about how, oh, yeah, I'm detoxifying, I'm not just relaxing. Um, and like I said, some of the studies are proving or at least uh, considering that the toxins are not released from that specific type of sweating. Although being in the sauna is wonderful, being in steam is wonderful, it may not be part of that. I'm, I'm wondering, I know that, uh, uh, you know, in Chinese medicine there is, you know, the, the steaming and there is the sauna, etc. as well. And I, I'm wondering if it is a, a little... Um, I, I, I do believe that it is the toxins just from the skin level as opposed to internally um, that they usually speak of. Uh, it's like if you have a high fever, they put you in a hot bath and it basically releases it. it the heat draws the heat out, <laughs> right? But not necessarily what's causing the fever, right? But, but uh, to help the body release that layer of goop in the skin <laughs> and skin then goop. and then yeah and and the other thing too glenn is i think it's also a process because i've seen people go from the sauna and not even rinse off after that which of course in in the as far as i know with the chinese medicine is you've got to take a nice warm shower to rinse off all this all the stuff that you've sweated onto the surface of your skin as well Mm -hmm. So, so I don't, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good one though. I want, I'd love to research that one more. Yeah. The, well, I think in this whole, in this whole concept and talking with Kabir, it really is the word you just used is it's a process. Mm. And I think the, the whole point of thinking about detoxification, first you have to think that you are essentially intoxicated in, <laughs> in, in some way. And, and so you need to first understand that, have an awareness of that, and then start doing things about it. You know, trying, as we said, preventing or trying to eliminate as many of the toxins coming in, keeping your body as healthy as possible. But it, <clears throat> it is a whole process. And I, I was surprised uh, just now when Kabir said that the, the, uh, it could take up to 60 to 90 days. You know, rather than the the ones that we're used to, people going in for their colon, their spring colonic, or a three day or a fourteen day, uh, over a sixty to ninety day period seems to make a, a certain amount of sense to me more than the other, especially if it's done gently and with with observation all the way. And that's what I want to talk about now, Kabir. When you are working with somebody. And you're going through the process. They want to do a detoxification. So you start the process first by analyzing them, their body type, and some of the problems that they have. And then you set up a program that gets them prepared for the detoxification. Then you do the detoxification. All along the way, I'm sure that you're trying to evaluate or, or value or analyze whether what you're doing is correct or it's working or it's not working so that you can uh, justify continuing or modifying the process. How do you do that? Yes, that's, that's an excellent point. And I always 
that people um, not to listen uh, to me, but to listen to their body. And of course, I'm trying to understand a person's body and their state of uh, health and digestion and the level of toxicity, say, in their colon, their liver, their blood, their kidneys, their lymphatic system, and try to understand where we need to focus on this program. But ultimately, the person has to stay in tune with their body and listen to their body. So if uh, somebody is doing a colon cleanse for me and with me and they're on in this at 10 days and uh, they're feeling very fatigued, very tired, and they're getting uh, uh, sick and tired of their mono diet and they just can't take another day of this, then I see this as a sign of the bot that it's time to stop that cleanse. So even if we would have planned to do it for 12 days, we'll listen to the body and stop at 10 days. And often it's the uh, opposite too. After 10 or 12 days, the people say, oh, I feel great. I feel wonderful. I'm really getting into this. Uh, I can continue with this mono diet. I'm doing the herbs every day. I'm doing the steam. I'm doing the, 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 the oil massage and I'm feeling great. I'm losing weight. I'm feeling wonderful. I said, well, why don't we just keep on going for another four or five days and uh, let me know how you're doing in three days. So it's very, very important to not go into any type of uh, program, particularly detoxification, with a fixed thinking that I'm going to do this for two days or three days, um, but to be start the process with the best understanding of your body um, and have it, of course, adjusted to you, and then listen to the body throughout the, the program and respond accordingly. That's a great point. I really like that. Uh, so what would be the signs of somebody that's over-detoxifying? We may have covered a little bit of that, but I'd really like to go over that a little more. What would be the things that you would look for uh, where you would want to make a change, other than the obvious of, I'm a little more tired, I'm a little more fatigued? Are there body signs that people can look well, for? Yeah, well, just uh, uh, dryness, dryness in the um, uh, skin, dryness in the mouth, joint pain, loss of appetite, uh, weakness. Uh, these are all signs that a person has depleted themselves too much. And, you know, excessive uh, uh, laxatives can even create this effect. Um, obviously, just uh, fasting for long periods of time um, can, over a period of time, can leave a person nutritionally deficient. Most cases, if we're able to stay in a comfortable environment where we have no stress, no work, and uh, you know, no responsibility, and we can just lie out in the sun and relax and have our uh, mono diet and take our herbs and drink our tea, then generally we can go much longer in these detoxification programs. But because of our environment and the demands of our lives uh, and the fact that we most people have to continue with their work, then these uh, cleanses are often have to be much shorter um, and often more intense because people only have a few days and then they have to re uh, return to their, uh, their, their daily activities. Um, and this is one reason why we, we see juicing is uh, effective, more effective than water fasting. Water fasting is very suitable if you have no re stress, no worries, and you can be outside in the sunlight uh, with good fresh air. Uh, water fasting is particularly good for most types, except for the vata type and the weak and uh, elderly. Um, but in our society where we have to keep working, we have to deal with uh, all of the demands of life, 
then supplementing with juices is a, giving us a nutritional boost to help us to uh, continue through it. So this is why I think juicing, even though not a typical part of Ayurveda, is helpful in our modern world through our detoxification. How do you work with people that uh, have illnesses that are nece- that are on medications? Uh, does that affect a, a detoxification program? And do you modify it? Or sometimes do you say to people, you shouldn't go through this? Well, anybody on medication needs to speak with their medical uh, doctor and uh, who who gave them or prescribed the medication because. Uh, taking medication would be counterindicative of detoxification because it is because any type of foreign substance like pharmaceuticals would be uh, considered toxic to the body, particularly the liver and the kidney. And we know that people who have been on pharmaceuticals for a long period of time tend to have uh, liver and particular kidney problems later in life. Um, so not only would a person want to you know, remove foods that are not organic and to take out synthetic supplements. But, you know, preferably you wouldn't want to be taking a medication through uh, most detoxification programs, Um, but it may be necessary. And that would be something you'd have to speak with your medical doctor about. It would seem very uh, important to me to think about that because if you, uh, my my knowledge of of a lot of medical doctors when somebody come would come up to them and say i want to i want to do a fasting or i want to do a a colon cleanse or detoxification i'm not sure that all of the western doctors are totally familiar with that uh and they may not be positive about it so what what does a person do in that particular case I think everybody has to make their own uh, choices at that point. I'm not qualified to speak about uh, pharmaceuticals. Um, So I I would think your input would be more valuable than mine on that subject there, Dr. Glenn. Yeah, uh, and I probably would say that, again, for each individual, uh, depending on the medications they're on and the reasons they're on them, the the concept of a fasting or some types of detoxifications may not necessarily be in order for them. And it may be more of trying to prevent the toxins from getting in to spend more time trying to eliminate that toxin burden and to make sure that the liver, kidneys and uh, skin are in the best of conditions possible. And that also a person's energy levels and i'm not just talking about feeling good energy i'm talking about the energy that's required by the cells to actually detoxify um, some of these substances need to be on a high level uh, which might require certain medications to take and this this brings up another point for me is in terms of medications the the detoxification meds or the herbs that you're talking about how does one make sure that that when they go to a store or pick up a three day or fourteen day uh, cleansing program, what do they need to look for to make sure that this is a good one rather than just a, a run of the mill that may not do what it's supposed to or may actually harm them? How do you uh, tell people to 
check the medications out. Well, uh, well, I assume you're referring to herbal colon cleanses and and some herbal uh, liver uh, uh, programs. Um, Well, these herbs are generally Western herbs. You know, you have Ayurvedic herbs, Chinese herbs, and Western herbs. Um, And so uh, many of the colon herbs are are mild or strong, uh, mild laxatives or strong purgatives mixed with some uh, fiber. Um, And some of them are in different stages where you have the the, the laxative herbs uh, taken at night and the fiber taken with the meals. Um, and, and they can be effective. I think that a, a practitioner giving you herbs just for yourself and, and uh, making certain recommendations on dosage and providing fresh herbs is going to be more effective than anything bought in the shelf just because the shelf life deteriorates them and there's nobody adjusting it for you. So you, it may be a little bit of trial and error on your own. Um, and then there's many that are probably um, not very effective at all. Uh, but mostly, it, they say like the devil's in the details. Usually, um, the, the ingredients are available. It's often a matter of how much to take, when to take, um, or people are doing other things that are counterindicative or not supportive of their cleanse. I mean, if you're taking um, a colon... Uh, cleansing herbs every night, but you're you're eating a lot of uh, animal protein like uh, uh, meat that's uh, very dense and hard to digest and has no fiber. Um, then you, you're probably not getting much benefit from taking a few uh, laxative herbs in the evening. So preparing for your cleanse and re- having your diet uh, to be improved, to be e- and improving your digestion and making it strong first. Then taking those laxative herbs, you'll probably get a much better results. And often people don't take enough um, because they are in just capsule form. Uh, Ayurveda mostly gives things out in powder form, so you can, you're taking more like two, three teaspoons of something, which can be 10, 15, 20 capsules uh, in, in a capsule form. So often people just aren't taking enough because they have a mentality of, you know, take one pill. But in fact, these are just powdered herbs. And they may need as much as 10 or 15 capsules to, to really have the therapeutic effect uh, that they're looking for. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's, you know, I want to talk about <clears throat> a little more about fasting and the concept of the colon. Is, it's very important for the colon to be part of the process and let me just go through the a little bit of the process for a moment in terms of what we're talking about. Something comes into the body, it gets into the bloodstream, it's a toxin. <clears throat> through the blood, it makes a, a pass through the liver. The liver recognizes it. The cells in the liver recognize that this is a toxin. And they either try to make it water-soluble so that it can go out through the kidneys and pass through the bladder it, through the urine, or it becomes fat-soluble, and it gets eliminated through the bile and then into the intestine. And part of the whole process of that is to have fiber in the intestine and intestine to bring this uh, amount of toxins that are covered with bile and a little bit of food product in, uh, in and out through the colon. So the fiber becomes very important. And I look at 
different fibers that people take. And first of all, if somebody's fasting, then they're not getting their fibers. So that makes me a little bit concerned. And maybe through laxative and things like that, that that compensates for that. But if you're going to take a fiber, very important to focus on what we call soluble and insoluble fibers to make sure of that. And the reason for that is the soluble part, I believe, uh, helps to uh, take the bile with the detoxified solutions in them and bring them out and eliminate it in the feces. And the insoluble part of the fiber actually helps to cleanse the walls of the, the internal walls of the uh, intestine by scraping them off a little bit. What's your thoughts on fiber? Well, this is why um, having a mono diet and eating through detoxification for, is very effective because you're, you're having the daily elimination. You're adding large amounts of fiber to the diet, which, as you mentioned, not only helps to bulken up the stool and, and uh, cleanse uh, the, the GI tract and particularly the colon, but it, it gives uh, um, something for the bile which is the vehicle of the toxins uh, that were, have been contained by the liver, uh, a vehicle to exit the body. So the, like you mentioned, the fiber is absorbing that bile um, and then allowing it to be transported out with the, with the fecal matter. So if you're not having bowel movements because you're fasting, then this process is not taking place. So often it's a very important the order of things that you do, the colon cleanse going first because Unless you're having two, three bowel movements a day, then this, uh, this uh, toxic waste that you're absorbing through the fiber and cleansing out through the fiber and, the, and, and taking out with the bile isn't going out. So you, that's obviously your first priority. Second is of the liver, making sure that uh, the liver is not congested and ample bile is coming out and the gallbladder is not congested and the bile again is coming out. Um, so those would be your first two uh, priorities. And, and then, um, then after that would be the lighter treatments that are not quite as deep where you could focus on the blood. Uh, there's many blood cleansing uh, herbs, and you could then focus do uh, fasting uh, at the later part of your cleanse. So you're no longer, uh, the liver's already had its opportunity to release its toxins through your, your liver cleanse, and the colon has been, uh, been going for some time, and you've already cleansed the colon. So if you're going to fast, in most cases, it's at the later part of your um, uh, detoxification process. And the same for juicing. Uh, juicing in itself, as I mentioned, doesn't really detox you because it's not, there's no fiber um, and your, your support, it's more of a nutritional therapy and it can ho- help the liver. So if pe- people want to juice, I say, or I recommend a juice therapy, um, then it's usually at the later part of the program because the juicing really helps to expedite the detoxification process and helps to support the liver and uh, uh, help it to produce more bile and eliminate these toxins faster. Um, but you have to keep the, the bowels going. So of preparing, changing the diet, then cleansing out the colon, then cleansing out the liver, and then getting into uh, this uh, blood cleansing and fasting at the end um, of your cleanse uh, Uh, is the best order of things. I see. When we talk about 
deliver, and you brought that up. That's that's probably the most important organ in the body for detoxification, uh, at least from a Western scientific point of view, because that's where most of the substances make their way, and then they get changed through a series of uh, processes, chemical processes in the liver. It changes whatever the chemistry is from one toxin, and sometimes it can actually produce, in one phase of the detoxification, it produces uh, a chemical that may be actually more toxic than the original toxin. So it's very important that the liver gets to go through its phases and it has enough strength and health to it. Because if these toxins uh, that are fat-soluble actually get into the cells, into the membranes of the cells that have fat in them, which is essentially all cells, wherever those toxins are, they can remain for a very long period of time. So the the health of the liver and the ability of the liver to remain healthy and have the energy and the components in it to detoxify uh, is very important. So what what do you look at in terms of detox helping the liver to maintain its function? Uh, uh, yes. Well, first it's a, it's good to look at what are the signs of a a burdened liver, and I really like the way you used the word uh, burdened uh, by toxins earlier. So the liver can be uh, burdened. Generally with young children, we don't have this because they haven't accumulated the amount of toxins we have um, through our exposure. Uh, but uh, issues with the liver generally, liver pain, gallbladder pain, discomfort in the uh, liver area under the right rib after eating fatty or oily or fried foods. Um, and of course, looking at the stool, if you don't, if you have lighter stools, tan stools, then you're, it's evidence you're not making enough bile. Bile tends to make the stool darker. And the people who have this liver congestion or fatty liver or gallstones or gallbladder congestion tend to avoid fatty foods and oily foods, um, because they've uh, noticed that it gives them some discomfort. So these are the signs that your liver, um, is, uh, overburdened and unable to keep up with its uh, the toxic load um, and it needs assistance in helping to eliminate these toxins faster. In fact, we're not detoxing. We're just helping the, the uh, body's eliminating organs to detox. And that's what we're doing with the liver, you know, taking um, uh, herbs to help to uh, cleanse the liver, support the liver and to increase more bile and to flush out the gallstones. Um, and this really just helping the liver to, to do its natural process. And it, it doesn't happen quickly. You need to take these for a couple of weeks um, over a period of time to, to see the benefits. So that, go ahead, Christina. Um, when, you, when you say take, uh, you're, you're speaking of herbs, right? When you're saying to help support the liver, it's a series of herbs that you would uh, put together for the individuals? Well, generally, the, it's a three key parts. One, I give a liver detox tea, which is drank mostly in the, in the morning. Uh, this is with the typical Western herbs of dandelion, root, burdock, root, milk, thistle, you know, supported by some other herbs like sarsaparilla and ginger and, and uh, licorice root, but mostly it's the roots. And this can be had drunk two or three times during the day. 
um, in between meals, particularly before meals, to stimulate liver activity. And then at um, during the day, then I, I advocate doing some juicing with uh, some amount of beet and carrot, again, the roots, um, and a lot of leafy greens. Um, if they're not able to juice with that, then you can always use liquid chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is very helpful for the liver. And then at night, I give uh, Ayurvedic uh, herbal formula, which uh, the premier uh, herb is called Manchista. And this, of course, is mixed with other herbs like a turmeric. And this is a more uh, detoxing for the liver. Well, the Western herbal formula, I think, is more supportive and increasing bile. And the um, uh, juice tends to just help uh, the whole process to expedite along. So the uh, herbal tea, the uh, vegetable juicing, particularly with the beet and the leafy greens that are high in chlorophyll, and then the Ayurvedic herb at night. Meanwhile, keeping the bowels moving all along, so many people would also need some type of laxative tea um, as well or herb to keep the, bowel, the bowels really moving like not just once a day, but two or three times a day. So a person would be on that type of program and, of course, avoiding things that would be a burden to the liver like uh, synthetic vitamins and too much animal protein, fried foods, oily foods, etc. And they could follow that routine of taking the herbs, the diet, uh, for up to uh, a couple weeks. For a person who's weak, you can also put a castor oil packs on the uh, liver area. This works very well for uh, children and elderly people. Wow. Castor oil. I have not heard that for a long time. <laughs> uh, we could do a whole class on uh, many, oil. many uses of uh, castor oil. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> you know, but uh, a castor oil poultice on the uh, liver area is very good for a very, uh, that you sleep with overnight very slow and gentle way to help to um, detox uh, the liver and can be very effective for people with serious conditions. Mm, that's wonderful to know. It was interesting for me, many years ago, I went to see an Ayurvedic practitioner. Part of what I do as a medical guide is I try to not only understand a lot of the different uh, healing systems, but I also try to experience them in different ways so that I have even more of an understanding. And I went to see an Ayurvedic practitioner who was over here from India, and they had put me on a uh, castor oil. And I started taking castor oil every day. So uh, just a small amount of that so that they they actually put me on it for low back pain. Hmm. And I ended up, they said that, you know, and I wasn't sure from a scientific point of view whether or not they said that it gets released in your lower colon and it goes out to the area of the lower back. And so I started taking this, and this was about maybe seven or eight years ago that I started taking a, a teaspoon or sometimes even less castor oil every night before I go to sleep. And I've been doing that for many years. And uh, it seems like it's been very good for me, uh, you know, in terms of low back pain mm. and, uh, and certainly for bowel elimination. So it's all, it's all been very good. And I like the castor oil. Yeah. Traditionally, people have taken uh, small amounts uh, mm -hmm. for long periods of time. Generally, it's taken with a citrus. 
like a little orange juice or a little lemon juice. I'm and, hardcore, uh, man. I take it straight. Yeah, it can be, but it, you, <laughs> most people, you just mix it with a little orange juice and, and, uh, it's very good for dry, hard, uh, constipation to, to, because it's yeah. oil and it, it, it's quite effective for that type of chronic constipation to, uh, but not generally used for long-term. It's considered a purgative, uh, mm. which is even stronger than a laxative. So long-term use, it has to be very mild, um, uh, or generally not at all, but, uh, but occasionally, like I know many people from India who took it like once a month, mm-hmm. castor oil. Mm. Well, we're speaking with Kabir Southwick, uh, and we're talking about detoxification today as an Ayurvedic practitioner and an herbal formulator and an author. We get the opportunity to get another health tip from you. So we're ending the program pretty soon, and we'd like to make sure we have time for your health tip. What do you got for us today? Oh, good. Well, I'd like to uh, maybe make it two small ones. And that is um, oil pooling and tongue cleansing. And um, I think I mentioned in the last talk, if you observe your tongue first thing in the morning um, and look at the color and the amount of film on, the, on your tongue, this can help you to understand the condition of your uh, colon. So a heavy film, uh, particularly on the back of the tongue, would uh, indicate that uh, you have a similar type of uh, excess mucus in your uh, colon area. Uh, but what you can do uh, is to help to, to scrape that off. A copper a tongue cleanser, copper doesn't have an infection, won't, won't have bacteria grow on it, so it's safer than stainless steel. And cleanse your tongue out every single morning and scrape it. And, and this will allow you to not just remove the toxins that rise, rise to the up your esophagus and remain on your tongue, uh, but it will improve your taste of foods, uh, your enjoyment of foods, even your sense of smell. And um, then it will allow you to, um, it improves your hygiene. If you combine that with uh, oil pooling, uh, this is uh, two very ancient and effective uh, treatments, uh, tongue scraping and uh, oil pooling. Oil pooling uh, is a big subject. Uh, you've heard a lot about it these days. I think it's very healthy for the um, in, inside the mouth. Um, I think there tends to be two people, two camps on oil pooling. Some people say it's a cure-all for everything, and other people say that it's uh, useless. Well, I think those are the two uh, types of extreme views that you need to watch out for in general in healthcare. Uh, people who advocate that any one thing is a cure-all, I watch out for that category. And the type that uh, uh, disregard everything that doesn't have uh, scientific proof, I would uh, disregard that to category as well. And oil pooling is a good example because it has its benefits, but it's by no means a, a, a cure-all. Um, Kabir, I have a question. What is oil pooling? Oh, well, you... Um, after rinsing the, cleansing the tongue, then gargle with a little salt water, and then um, uh, take about a tablespoon of a, traditionally sesame oil. If you have a mm. uh, infection, a tooth infection, or or some type of infection, maybe in the mouth, you could use uh, coconut oil, which has more antiviral, antibacterial qualities. But generally, a sesame oil is what's used, um, and you put it in your mouth, and you 
pull it around in your mouth between your teeth for a good five, ten minutes. Initially, your jaw will feel a little tired. Um, generally, I'll put it in and then, you know, I'll rinse my face with the uh, water and the, the apple, little apple cider vinegar and then put some oil on my face and, and do a light uh, a facial massage and scalp massage where I'm rubbing oils in my head and, 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 and touching certain uh, Ayurvedic marma points. And I do this little self-treatment while I'm pulling on this oil in my mouth because it takes five or 10 minutes, and then spit it out. And then when you're done spitting out, then cleanse the mouth again, scrape the tongue again, rinse with the salt water again, and get the oil uh, out of your mouth. And the oil um, draws out uh, the toxins from inside of your mouth. And mm. um, it done on a regular basis is very hygienic and very good for the teeth, very good for the gums, and um, and, and has many uh, uh, health benefits, but particularly in, in that in that area. Wow, that's you know, very interesting. No, uh, sorry, sorry, Glenn, I, I, I'm I'm <laughs> kind of baffled with this oil pulling here. Um, is there? Uh, I, I heard you say about the coconut oil if someone has an infection of any sort. But but with the sesame oil, I mean, one, how often should a person do this? Um, and because you know, brushing your teeth and Scraping your tongue can be a daily routine. Um, and is there a specific kind of oil in the means of a raw sesame oil? Uh, uh, I know that we have a trifla oil that is in the basis of a sesame oil. I mean, does that matter? Organic, not? Oh, yeah, of course you want a organic, natural, cold-pressed oil. But like I guess said sesame oil is what's traditionally used and it should be done every single day it's part of wow. you know uh uh brushing your teeth of course i i don't use a toothbrush i use a stick to brush my teeth and i don't use toothpaste i mix my own concoction made of a uh, a salt uh charcoal uh turmeric and uh, cinnamon and a few other spices and then i uh, then i rinse with mostly uh salt water everybody should be garlicking gar using uh, salt water as a gargle on a regular basis. Mm. Um, and part of that whole uh, hygienic uh, cleansing process is uh, oil pulling. So mm. cleansing the teeth um, and um, uh, and then oil oil pulling and scraping the tongue and then rinsing with the salt water, gargling with salt water, should be all a package that you do every single day. And this will uh, create as uh, uh, many health benefits. And many people who started oil pulling did notice uh, other positive effects. So people who had pain in the jaw uh, had uh, noticed improvement. Even people that have had some level of a back pain or uh, and people have noticed improved cognitive function and greater clarity. And I've heard a lot of uh, positive uh, reviews from oil pooling, but I think it's mostly helping uh, in with the gums in particular. You know, I just read about this. I just came, became aware of this about a week ago and I actually did some research on it and I too found the same thing. There were the people that claimed that it gets rid of everything, cures everything. And then there were the people that claimed that it does nothing. And that always interests me. And since it didn't seem to do any harm, I've, I've actually started on this about five or six days ago, 
to start doing the oil pulling every morning. They, you know, different people say different oils. Some say coconut oil, some say sesame, some say vegetable oil, things like that. And they have anywhere between five to 20 minutes in the morning. They also talk about doing it multiple times a day. Uh, there are some other parts to it. They recommend against swallowing when you're doing the pulling because of the uh, toxins and bacteria that are coming out uh, as you're drawing them out between the teeth and the gums and on the surfaces of the mucosa. So not swallowing. And they even got into one thing about not spitting it out into a sink, rather mm -hmm. spitting it into a toilet because it could clog up the sink or do other things. So it's going to be interesting for me. I'm going to see uh, what it does for me. I certainly, the first time I did it, I tried it. Uh, I got a little lightheaded and my jaw started hurting. And uh, But after a day or so, I seem to be getting better and better at the technique. And uh, I'll see where it goes. But I do think that it is very interesting as a process for people. But again, you know, try it on your own and don't expect to have it cure your migraine, psoriasis, athlete's foot, and uh, diverticulitis <laughs> all in one day. <laughs> yes. Uh, very grateful to our very special guest, Kabir Southwick, for sharing his wisdom and expertise with us. And I am grateful and appreciate all of my healers and teachers for allowing me to be on my journey. Thankful to Yoga Hub, Christina and Segovia, and all of the team that work to make this a great production each week. And I look forward to getting together again with all of you on Magical Medical Tour as we explore more quadrants of the healthcare galaxy in search of optimal health. I would like to thank you today, Kabir, for being with us and, and uh, look forward to another session with you. And until we meet again, I wish you all optimal health. <laughs> yes, thank you, Kabir. And thank you, Dr. Glenn Woolman, for another great show. Oh, boy, this we can go on and on with this one. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, we'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're always grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. We invite you to connect with Dr. Glenn Woolman uh, through his website, glennwoolman.com, where we encourage you to learn about his metaphor square breath. And please, we also invite you to connect with our special guest, Kabir Southwick, at naturalhealingwest.com, naturalhealingwest.com, or just come visit him here in Southern California in beautiful Santa Barbara or up the, up where, which is up the coast or in the mountains of Ojai. And until next time, we are grateful for your feedback. Give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Be sure to leave us your contact information so we can get back to you. Until next time, namaste. So there, there are actually two different virus, viruses. They're a little bit similar, but the, the measles that we're having the outbreak with is called, it's a rubiola virus. Hmm. And the German measles is a rubella virus. And you've heard the word rubella. Most parents have heard that word when they have to hear about vaccinations for their kids, where they have that vaccination, the MMR vaccinations, which is measles, mumps, and rubella. 
So they uh -huh, called them uh -huh. the measles that they